Welcome to the Performance Prescription Lab podcast. This is your host, Nilhan. Together with my co-host, Jess, we are very excited about today's episode on preventing and managing anemia in athletes. Why is iron so important for athletes? Iron helps thinking clearly and helping athletes to make good decisions. It's important for staying healthy. And most of all, it's important for carrying oxygen to muscles. Today, we'll talk about how anemia develops, how it's linked to athletic performance, what are the underlying issues with a particular focus on female athletes, what are the treatment approaches, including supplementation, and we will also answer common questions that we receive from athletes on anemia. From supple nuances of performance changes to the silent impact of undiagnosed conditions, we are here to empower every athlete with knowledge in today's episode. Jess, before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to take a moment to celebrate recording our 10th episode. I really can't believe Yeah, <laughs> We're almost at the end of our first season. I'm so excited. It's been, it's been a learning experience. It's been super fun. Um, I feel like we have grown together. We've improved. And I've appreciated all the listens and the follows and the comments and super, super thankful for everyone who's listened and supported us. Thank you. Thank you for our listeners and supporters. Indeed, we have our surprise next episode with our first guest. So uh, we are quite excited for that, too. But uh, without further ado, let's get started uh, about uh, preventing and managing iron in athletes. So probably the most common non-injury problem seen in athletes, and usually we have several times a week hearing this from athletes, is the fatigued athlete. It's not just about feeling tired, but it's about understanding the intricate web of factors that could be slowing you down as an athlete. Today on uh, this podcast, we are going to dive further into iron deficiency anemia, uh, which is very common in fatigued athletes. And as usual, before we uh, jump into the several factors about anemia and iron deficiency, let's start with an Anemia 101 class from your favorite instructor, <laughs> Jess. <laughs> well, thank you. So Anemia 101, the lowdown on a condition that affects every breath of life. In simple terms, anemia occurs when your body runs low on red blood cells, who are the couriers of oxygen. There are actually more intricacies of the types of anemia from the shortage of red blood cells to their challenge in doing their vital job. It's not just a one size fits all. There are various types of anemia, each with its own story. Some types are whew, a breeze easy to fix. Others, a little more intricate tale demanding invasive, or intensive and possible lifelong attention. Get ready to dive, dive into the bloodstream of knowledge because understanding anemia is your first step to overcoming it. So anemia is typically divided into three types and each type has a different cause. The first type is microcytic anemia. So with microcytic anemia, the red blood cells don't have enough hemoglobin, which is the, red, or the substance in red blood cells that allows them to carry oxygen. And as a result, the red blood cells are smaller, hence the word microcytic, than normal. Iron deficiency is one of the most common causes of microcytic anemia, which happens when your body, like I said, does not have sufficient iron to make hemoglobin. Without enough hemoglobin, your blood, red blood cells have a harder time delivering oxygen throughout the body. Athletes, especially endurance athletes, tend to have slightly lower hemoglobin levels as judged by the general population norms. A low blood hemoglobin concentration defines anemia. And some people call this sports anemia. So Neilham, can you take a second and explain this? Sure, uh, that's a little bit special focus for us here in this episode. So it's important to give a little bit of background about 
what is sports anemia or athlete's anemia, or it's also called delusional pseudo anemia. Sports anemia is a temporary con condition often observed in athletes. It is characterized by a decrease in the concentration of red blood cells in the blood, which can mimic the symptoms of true anemia. However, it is not caused by a shortage of iron, uh, but rather it's an expansion of blood volume that occurs with regular endurance training. So your blood gets diluted. The volume huh. increases and this dilutional effect makes the concentration of red blood cells appear lower than it is. Uh, and then this may lead to false impression of anemia. It is considered a normal adaptation to increase exercise. So uh, that's why it's a temporary condition. And your physician can differentiate the difference of um, anemia and sports anemia and then suggest your relevant therapy if needed. Make sure you get your biomarkers tested uh, so that this can be differentiated for you if that's the case. Yeah. Back to you, Jess. All righty. So thank you for explaining that because that can be very um, – a lot of people – change the terms in and out so but it is definitely different sports anemia and iron deficiency anemia so our next type of anemia is called normocytic anemia and in normocytic anemia there aren't enough red blood cells to meet your body's needs normocytic anemia is often caused by an underlying chronic illness less frequently you may be born with it or it can be a side effect of medication the final type is macrocytic anemia. Macrocytic anemia happens when the bone marrow makes red blood cells that are larger, hence the word macro, macro. than normal. <laughs> kind of helps. Exactly. Um, this type of anemia can develop if your body lacks certain types of nutrients it needs, such as vitamin B12 and folate, or there could be a nutrient absorption issue such as celiac or Crohn's. Today, we're gonna to specifically focus on microcytic anemia or um, the microcytic form of anemia called iron deficiency anemia. So iron deficiency is the most common nutrient disorder reported globally. And in various athlete groups, it's suggested to impact anywhere between 15 to 35% of females and five to 10% of males. Within sport, several factors, including the type of sport, your gender, your age, dietary habits, and geographical location, play a role in the prevalence. However, it's generally recognized that certain groups of athletes, particularly endurance athletes and female athletes, may be at a higher risk of developing iron deficiency anemia. As I mentioned earlier, iron deficiency anemia is a condition where there's insufficient iron that impedes the production of healthy red blood cells, hindering their ability to transport oxygen efficiently through the body's tissues. So you can see if you're an athlete and you have less oxygen, you could see how this could impact your performance in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. Iron plays a vital role in hemoglobin and myoglobin molecules, which are essential for oxygen distribution and muscle function, as well as energy metabolism. Iron is absorbed through the upper part of the intestines and regulated by the hormone hepcidin, which controls entry into circulation. Nilham, can you kind of dive into hepcidin a little bit? Sure. Uh, it's knowing what hepcidin can be really important for athletes because this is how we determine how, when, how much iron is absorbed and mm -hmm. supplementation and all the underlying issues can be measured accordingly. So it's important to give a little bit of background on that. Yeah. Now, hepcidin interacts with the body's iron export cells. These are called ferroportin, uh, causing a degradation of the channel, which inhibits the ability to transfer iron across the gut and into the circulation. So when the iron needs of our body are low, and the, for example, high irons, we have high iron source, hepcidin levels are elevated to prevent excessive iron entry. Conversely, when the iron needs of the body are high, we are low in iron stores. Hepcidin levels are suppressed to encourage intestinal iron uptake. So this is a hemostatic balance of our body. And I think it's a magical balance that our yes. body keeps. 
<laughs> and uh, such findings are relevant to exercise settings, for example, since it is well established that when uh, we do exercise, it results in a transient decrease in the ability to absorb iron because exercise increases hepcidin levels. So we are going to describe if you need iron supplementation, when to take it. So because hepcidin plays a role in the uptake of iron supplements, that's why we recommend spacing iron intake from exercise uh, that can be uh, beneficial due to the action of hepcidin and exercise. I have read a study that recommends that iron is best taken either 30 minutes before a morning exercise or within the 30 minutes right after the exercise. I always knew that uh, 30 minutes before exercise is the strategy, but also there is a window of opportunity for a higher iron absorption. Uh, 30 minutes after the exercise, within the 30 minutes. So that could be also an interesting approach, but yeah. always this is an individual, individualized approach. So Jess, uh, could you explain a little bit further on the iron metabolism to our athletes, and mostly how it can present? What yeah. are the commonly observed symptoms so the athletes would know that they may have iron deficiency or iron deficiency anemia? Yeah. So oxygen, um, it binds to iron and it's transported in the blood um, by transferritin. This is a dynamic interplay that results in the production of hemoglobin stored in the liver, spleen, and bone marrow, serving the oxygen needs of all cells in the body. Uh, so anemia, as we've talked about it, arises from depleted iron reserves with over 60% of the iron stored as hemoglobin. Impaired iron reserves hinder oxygen transport, impact overall well-being, and your athletic performance. The consequences of iron deficiency are profound, affecting the body's ability to produce hemoglobin. So anemia can present in different ways for different athletes. However, there are some commonly observed symptoms. You could see hampered performance or a quick onset to fatigue. Bouts of weakness or easily burnout, irritability, low stamina, poor appetite, and malnutrition, increased prevalence of um, infections such as colds, um, just kind of upper respiratory. Um, you could have heart palpitations and a high heart rate. That's because your body's trying to get more oxygen throughout your body. Increased vulnerability to injury. And in some cases, you could even see some confusion or incoherence or short attention spans as your body is, again, lacking oxygen as you perform. So recognizing the intricate connection between iron levels and athletic performance is crucial for maintaining enthusiasm and achieving peak performance. Without enough oxygen, our bodies cannot produce enough hemoglobin, and as a result, Iron deficiency anemia can leave you short of breath, headachy, tired, and unable to complete a training session or an event without your, without your usual enthusiasm. It's not uncommon for iron deficiency anemia to be quite mild and even go unnoticed. While anemia is mild, strenuous activity can be the only unmasker. I have seen three quick examples as a sports pharmacist. One, I had an elite runner who began losing races and there was no other changes that we could account for. Mm -hmm. Another was a softball player who went to see a cardiologist for spells of, heart, of high heartbeat and breathlessness when they were playing and it ended up being anemia. And the third was a basketball player who fell behind in training and was starting to be called an underachiever and he just kind of felt like everyone was making fun of him um, because he was just, he just couldn't perform how he had been performing over the last couple of years. And it turned out that he actually was anemic between training for basketball and training for some run. He was doing extra running. So that's mm -hmm. as endurance, again, this is where this showed up. But in each of these cases, the culprit was loss of stamina and all due to iron deficiency anemia. I'm going to add the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> As a personal experience, <laughs> when you're uh, listing the, uh, the ways that anemia can present, 
I think, uh, of course, anemia, when we are talking about blood, oxygen, you may only think that it's more like an endurance or aerobic uh, decrease in the performance. But there are also the mental aspects of iron deficiency. And I remember when I was practicing for uh, kite surfing, I really lost my enthusiasm for the next uh, session, even though I was very looking forward to having a windy day to practice. And then I realized I was deficient in iron. So uh, that's maybe one of the reasons. And I relate this uh, with myself. And I was... I left it untreated before I get my blood test and it may, it probably has worsened and the signs and symptoms were intensified. I, uh, is a, a personal experience I wanted to share. Yeah. We, we mentioned a couple of, uh, within uh, the, from the anemia 101 class, we mentioned several reasons why athletes have a risk, increased risk for anemia, but Let's deep dive into each of them uh, to understand what are the underlying reasons for, for anemia and what are the issues that athletes should uh, try to maybe improve before uh, the iron deficiency leads to anemia. There are multiple factors we mentioned. The first one always starts with the nutrition. Uh, low or little dietary intake of iron-rich foods is often blamed as the key factor contributing to iron deficiency. Athletes who are dieting and restricting caloric intake, as well as those who are vegetarian or vegan, may not have enough iron in their diet. Plant-based eating is increasing its popularity among the athlete community. And this is one of the key factors for many athletes because the iron in plant-based foods have a low absorption rate compared to animal-based iron uh, food sources. So that's why this may be very prevalent, common in vegan or vegetarian athletes. Lack of awareness of how to consume foods that enhance iron absorption is another reason. For example, in adding vitamin C uh, in addition to iron-rich foods, for example, uh, bell pepper is very rich in vitamin C or basically having an orange juice uh, together with uh, your uh, iron-rich meal can increase the absorption rate. Again, knowledge on sources of plant-based iron-rich foods can render an athlete with symptoms in a matter of months. And poor intake, however, is not the only cause of iron deficiency anemia. So the absorption is another important factor which we are going to come into. And we mentioned strenuous training uh, may lead to iron deficiency. How? Hemolysis uh, refers to the breakdown of red blood cells. Red blood cell breakdown or hemolysis can occur due to a variety of factors. Uh, for athletes who are doing intense training. Repeated trauma is one reason. What do we mean by repeated trauma? Feet hitting the hard ground repeatedly running can result in uh, capillary tears, uh, basically having tears in our veins, and increased pressure that results in red blood cell breakdown. Endurance athletes particularly, especially distance runners, are also at increased risk because they are taught to lose iron through microscopic, very small bleeding in intestines, as well as tiny broken blood vessels in the soles of their feet. So all this trauma uh, through exercise may lead to uh, iron deficiency. We also have high uh, increased adrenaline uh, during strenuous exercise. This may lead to increased synthesis uh, the, the intense exercise leads to increased synthesis of adrenaline. And adrenaline is directly responsible for stimulation of the spleen that in turn releases compounds. About 2% of marathoners or triathletes have seen blood in their stools after a race. And about 20% of distant runners have occult blood in the first stool post-race. This is very common. I also hear from some of the athletes uh, anecdotally. And we found traces of blood in the stool twice or more over a competitive season in about half of college cross-country runners. 
and cometocyclase that stimulates hemolysis, leading to red blood cell breakdown. So the exercise itself is another reason why we may be iron deficient because we are losing our blood cells. I also mentioned um, microbleedings and blood loss. Let's dive deep into this a little bit further. Our blood contains iron within our red blood cells. When you lose blood, you are losing iron, basically. Women with heavy periods uh, who has heavy bleedings are particularly at risk of iron deficiency anemia uh, because of the blood loss during menstruation. And athletes who are frequent blood donors are also at risk of iron deficiency. If you are using non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medicines, very common and regularly, you may also have increased risk of gastrointestinal blood losses. And this is another reason you're increasing your risk of iron deficiency. It is believed that repeated low intensity traumas, such as repeated foot strikes in running during strenuous exercise in the body cavity, this can cause small bleeds, which I explained a while ago in our gastrointestinal system, in our uh, intestines, for example. And these little micro bleedings remove blood cells from circulation and cause a dip in hemoglobin and iron counts. So there are many, many factors. But um, let's deep dive a little bit more on female athletes because yeah. we, want to, we wanted to have a special focus about the menstruation and blood loss. Why, why iron deficiency and anemia is more common in female athletes, Jess? Yeah, so... Um, it's definitely known that iron deficiency is more common in females, especially female athletes. And so I wanted to dive into that a little bit. Um, so girls and women are more likely to have low iron levels because, as you said, the blood loss during menstruation. However, those who experience particularly heavy menstrual bleeding are at highest risk. Experts um, estimate that about one quarter of female athletes are iron deficiency. It's also interesting to note that younger female athletes who are still growing require higher levels of iron to stay healthy. That's because during times of growth, the body needs more blood to grow while concurrently they're also often starting menstruation. So you'll see recommendations for fe young female athletes as one of the highest um, across the board um, because of that reason. Also, I think it's something to highlight is pregnant athletes. They are also at high risk because pregnancy uses a lot of iron. Without iron supplementation, iron deficiency anemia often occurs in many pregnant women due to iron requirements of the mother and the baby. Postnatal iron deficiency can occur in many women as they're naturally preoccupied with their new arrival and forget to have adequate medical checkups for themselves, maybe eating less, just different things. But um, they also usually during this time, um, fatigue is often very experienced by mothers and therefore iron deficiency can go undetected for many, many months. This depletes not only the mother, but also the baby supply of iron who depends on the mom for iron for the first six months of their life until solid foods are introduced. So if you're a female, definitely make sure you get labs done every year, if not more frequently. And if you have a young female athlete or a, pre or a pregnant female athlete, definitely um, making sure that you get your iron levels monitored. The next underlying cause that may cause iron deficiency is the inability to actually absorb iron. Dietary iron is absorbed through the bloodstream through the small intestines. And intestinal disorders such as celiacs, which are pretty common, stomach ulcers, Ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease all affect the intestine's ability to absorb nutrients from digested foods. So if you have one of these conditions, you may be at more risk for iron deficiency anemia. Also, inflammation. Um, inflammation, it can be caused um, through intense exercise, and it can cause inflammation throughout the body. 
Inflammation interferes with the body's ability to use iron to make red blood cells, which can lead to anemia. It also reduces the body's ability to absorb iron in the digestive tract, which can deplete iron stores. As we're on the GI tract, let's talk about low stomach acid. Adequate stomach acid, which is called hydrochloric acid, is required to break down minerals such as iron and extract them from the foods we eat. Low stomach acid, a common issue followed follow, a common issue following times of prolonged physical or emotional stress, or if people are taking proton pump inhibitors or acid reducing medications. So if you're taking any of these or have prolonged periods of emotional stress, definitely get your iron levels checked because low stomach acid can contribute to inabsorption. Finally, we also have iron stealers. So bacterial overgrowth, um, Heliobacter pylori, which is um, H. pylori, and parasites within the digestive tract can impact the way iron is absorbed and may contribute to blood loss and therefore iron deficiency over time. So Neilham, now that we know the underlying causes, do you, how do we identify anemia? Well, the, the underlying factors are so complex. Uh, it's not very easy to identify anemia, therefore, but uh, what, what we can do is to get our biomarkers checked. This is what we have repeated uh, many times. Tests for anemia involve comprehensive biomarker testing, which includes a complete blood count, first of all, uh, which tests the amounts of different types of cells in our red blood, red bloods, red, red blood cells, white blood cells, etc. Then we check the hemoglobin level or hematocrit. This is a test of percentage of your blood volume that is taken up by red blood cells. So how much red blood cell uh, you have uh, within your blood. Then uh, we have bilirubin level. It's a breakdown product of red blood cells, basically. If this level is increased, this could indicate that your red blood cells are breaking down and you are losing iron. So that's another biomarker. Then, of course, uh, your iron levels are tested in your body. And there are several biomarkers um, that are checked. First of all, it's serum iron, which tests the amount of iron in your blood. Then we have ferritin. It's a protein that stores iron in the body. So it's basically carrying the iron. And uh, there is transparent, uh, a protein that transports iron through the body. So it takes, takes iron to different uh, organs or uh, basically in the circulation of your uh, blood. And total iron binding capacity is another biomarker that is checked. And it's basically tests the ability of proteins in your blood to bind to iron and carry it around your body. And usually it is recommended that if your serum ferritin level is lower than 35 micrograms per liter, it's a sign of stage one, initial stage of iron deficiency, lower the level further the stage of the deficiency and uh, the final stage is iron deficiency anemia. But of course, and there are several biomarkers and the underlying issues are very complex. What we recommend is that uh, your biomarker levels might be, must be checked by a medical professional, professional such as your physician. Uh, in addition to these biomarkers, vitamin B12 and folate levels are crucial in red blood cell production and their deficiencies can contribute to anemia, which uh, Jess has explained in Anemia 101. Athletes warranting testing include those with unexplained performance declines, individuals adhering to, for example, a vegetarian diet and those with a history of iron deficiency uh, include checking your B12 and folate levels uh, when you get your biomarkers checked to understand the full uh, background of your uh, iron deficiency or anemia situation. Uh, speaking about the results, often uh, low hemoglobin, uh, reduced red blood cell count or a hematocrit trending towards the lower normal range, range means you may be having anemia. 
determining what's considered normal or low for athletes remains a debate, debated topic in the medical community uh, among healthcare providers. There is a wide range of normal levels uh, and which complicates assessments. But according to, again, a recent discussion I joined, uh, again, 35 micrograms per liter for serum ferritin is um, as an indication of uh, a problem with iron levels. And in an ideal world, with an optimal iron-rich diet and efficient absorption, everyone might achieve both normal and optimum levels, including athletes. But iron absorption is inherently inefficient in our uh, human population, even in optimal conditions, with only around 10% absorbed. This is a very low rate. If we recognize these complexities, uh, we can understand that uh, interpreting results and tailoring recommendations accordingly is, requires individualized approach. What I recommend uh, to athletes is to get your uh, biomarkers checked every year. If you're a female endurance athlete particularly, it may be beneficial for you to check your uh, iron levels biomarkers twice a year. And again, speaking about blood tests, we recommend these biomarkers to be checked in the morning in a well-hydrated state preferably after your rest day, and you should be illness-free. You shouldn't have any uh, underlying sickness. But uh, let's talk about the treatment plans. You get your blood tested, you have some results, your physician is supervising your treatment. What should an athlete expect from a treatment? Uh, yeah. So treatment plan, I think there's three, there's three approaches to treating iron deficiency. Um, the first is always kind of goes along with everything we've talked about is um, increasing the dietary iron intake. So no, as we call it, food first approach. Um, the second would be if increasing dietary intake is not enough, possibly adding iron supplementation. And the third would be using IV or IM iron infusions. Um, so this is get, bypassing your GI tract and putting it straight into your bloodstream. Generally, the approach taken will be um, depend on the severity of the iron deficiency and the decision made should consider the outcomes of blood screening results and clinical presentation. So we're going to look at symptoms and um, lab results and everything um, before deciding on a um, treatment plan. So dietary modifications and supplementations um, will be recommended for better iron intake. Um, good natural sources of iron include lean and um, lean and red meat, green leafy vegetables, beets, fish, liver, nuts, fortified cereals, and legumes. Um, we also would recommend if you're uh, an athlete, um, postural correction and usage of better shoes or different shoes to help avoid foot trauma. So if you're an endurance athlete, making sure you probably go to a, um, store to help determine the best shoes. Um, also a tapered and well-planned workout routines, um, to help manage gastrointestinal bleeding and hematuria. So making sure you're, um, if you're an athlete working with somebody and not just pushing your body to the limit every single day, but having tapered plans and making sure that you use rest periods. Jess, I have another recommendation yes. uh, that I uh, work, recommend to athletes who may be suffering from, um, or basically endurance athletes, uh, as a preventive approach to iron deficiency. We mentioned about microbleedings in the intestinal tract. Uh, in these athletes, the leaky gut, which we mentioned in our episodes earlier, uh, the, the microbleedings cause leaky gut, and then this may cause uh, disruption in iron absorption because it's from intestines. So maybe considering a probiotic uh, Good call. supplementation may also help out this. It doesn't have to be a supplement per se, but uh, maybe increasing uh, pre-probiotic food 
in your uh, food intake can help to avoid and prevent such situations. Very good recommendation. Mm-hmm. Thank you for including that. Um, I think we're going to, let's decide, let's dive into food first approach um, as we always do. Um, so foods that fall, foods that are high in iron fall into two categories, those with heme iron and those with non heme iron. So heme iron comes exclusively from animal products. This is red meat, poultry, and fish. Non-heme items or non-heme iron occurs naturally in foods, including beans, whole grains, and dark leafy vegetables. It's also added to fortified foods like cereal and pasta. So non-heme iron is harder for the body to absorb. So they'll, therefore you will need to eat more of it to get the same benefit as if you were eating heme iron. A pharmacist tip is combining iron rich foods with those that are high in vitamin C, making it easier for your body to absorb iron as Neil Hum explained or earlier. On the other hand, also looking at substances that prevent the absorption of iron, such as coffees and teas. So if you're taking an iron supplement, don't take it with your morning coffee, please. (laughs) Um, People trying to get more iron in their diet should avoid drinking these beverages with meals that have iron in them because you would block the absorption from the food that you're eating. Another little tip is actually using cast iron pans. That's a way to add iron into your diet also. Lastly, the timing of iron-rich foods should also be explored as part of a dietary assessment. With specific focus on the time of day, with high iron-containing foods um, that are consumed since hepcidin levels um, are shown in to like increase over the day. So as Neil Hum explained earlier, taking it first thing in the morning, you may get um, better absorption than taking iron in the evening. Neil Hum, um, as do you have any other things to throw into on the food first approach since you have dealt with iron deficiency anemia? Well, I think uh, there is also the impact of uh calcium containing food there is some sort of a interaction which is has i mean if you are for example taking your iron supplementation or basically eating iron rich foods together with calcium containing foods such as cheese milk uh, there may be some sort of an interaction so if you have a little bit break in between this may help you i also heard uh it may be an anecdotal information so haven't looked into studies about that but also it's very popular now to uh, drink nut-based milk they also even uh, they may be uh, high in calcium as well there may be some sort of an interaction between uh, iron rich foods or supplements between nut-based milks or other food resources so it's a delicate balance uh, for <laughs> getting an iron uh, absorption at a good level. Yeah. Not everything may be possible, but uh, at least if we try to um, increase the absorption rate, because it's very low for, for us humans, it may help you uh, avoiding and preventing uh, iron deficiency as an athlete. We talk about the food first approach. Uh, we also receive questions from athletes about how long should I take uh, iron supplementations, what type of supplements that are available. So I can try to bring some uh, further perspectives into these common questions. Yeah. We, we while small, uh, small incidences of food trauma and plasma dilation with enemies are result in few days, Chronic cases of exercise-induced trauma and gastrointestinal bleeding and hematuria can take longer to resolve. So that's why uh, we always recommend a physician-focused treatment plan. But just giving a bit of uh, roadmap for the athletes who may be suffering from iron deficiency or iron deficiency anemia, uh, regular anemia caused by insufficient iron intake or other nutritional deficiencies Uh, for example, also sports anemia, Uh, the resolution of such symptoms may take between one to three months to be resolved entirely. 
if you are not able to bring your iron up to the healthy levels through diet or taking a supplement uh, with iron, it's important to discuss the best type of iron supplement with a healthcare provider who is familiar with your medical history and results from your blood test. Your physician is going to make the best decision uh, when to take which supplement to take, considering its absorption rate, tolerability, how do you tolerate side effects, and of course, the cost of such uh, supplementation. Let's jump into different uh, types of supplementations, and I'll start with an oral iron supplements. They come in many forms and with different doses and formulations. There are pills, there are liquids, and there is slow and quick release form, forms of it. There is also the chemical state of the iron in it. There is ferrous or ferric iron form. Because supplements can have side effects like constipation, nausea, and stomach pain, it's really important that you are tolerating the supplement. Also, taking too much iron may lead to organ damage, particularly it may be toxic to your liver. So again, don't just consider iron supplementation as a regular vitamin supplement. There are many factors that needs to be considered and that's why you can always consult your physician or uh, pharmacist speaking about the forms of iron uh, in the oral supplements ferrous sulfate is most commonly given at 40 milligrams of elemental iron per day which is shown to increase athletes iron stores by 30 to 50 percent over six to eight weeks it comes with some side effects, and that's gastrointestinal distress, which makes compliance challenging. And compliance is very important for the success of the treatment. So if you are suffering from uh, side effects of your supplementation, consult your physician or pharmacist to perhaps change it to a better version. And if you're ex- expre- expre- experiencing sorry, uh, such uh, side effects, Always it's important to consider reducing the iron content in the supplement, consuming an alternative or new generation formulation. There are formulations, for example, enteric coated, which breaks in your intestine and hence it has less side effects. You may also reduce the frequency of intake, such as uh, taking in alternate days. There is a recent study that has shown that Uh, taking 60 milligram elemental iron on alternate days was equally effective in increasing your ferritin levels. And this is around 60% increase compared to daily consumption, despite only 50% of the total iron content being consumed in the alternate condition. So even though you are decreasing the dose, uh, total dose, you are still benefiting from it. And again, this is very personal, any side effects, Uh, can be uh, sold with another alternative treatment plan. To maximize your absorption, again, we mentioned that uh, taking your iron supplementation in the morning, preferably 30 minutes before your exercise, can help you with absorption because of the hepcidin levels, which we mentioned earlier. Compliance is really important. Uh, Adhere to your uh, dosing schedule in the morning, before exercise, and also make sure there are no interactions with other foods such as calcium or coffee. Basically, uh, put like an hour uh, in between your iron supplementation and your first meal of today. What about other supplements? I talk too much about the oral supplements. <laughs> are there any other options? Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like with oral supplement, it deserves a long talk because one, there's so many options out there. I know as consumers I get the question a lot in a community pharmacy which one should I take Mm -hmm. so it's super helpful to break it down and I did find also on that study I did find it very interesting about using alternate daily dosing um, which decreases the side effects but allows to have this uh, similar blood level increases very very interesting and I do think it plays into the hepcidin and um, different interactions of the complexity but I thought that was really interesting Um, And that may be beneficial in helping patients become more compliant. Again, something to talk to your physician about, but definitely there is some research out there showing. Um, But I would say if diet and oral supplementation are not sufficient, 
The next step is actually parental iron, which can be given as an intramuscular injection or as an IV. It is effective because it bypasses the gut since we've talked so much about the gut and how you um, absorb it not very efficiently and all the things that can impact the absorption in the gut. And it also bypasses the GI side effects. Um, giving it IV or IM can rapidly increase iron stores in a shorter period than oral. Indications include athletes with severe iron deficiency or iron deficiency anemia who need rapid improvement with iron stores. You can also be used when athletes cannot tolerate gastrointestinal um, side effects or when oral treatment has failed and the anemia has continued to progress. IV approaches to iron should be reserved for severe or persistent cases of iron deficiency anemia in the athlete population. Any decision to undertake this treatment method in should be done in conjunction with a trained sports physician. Given there are a lot of complexities regarding the administration of IV iron, with WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency. There are rules that exist in relationship to the various delivery methods. So making sure you're working with either a sports pharmacist or a sports physician that is well-versed in WADA rules if you are a drug-tested athlete needing IV iron. Transdermal patches also I have seen on the market. They represent an option for bypassing the GI tract Although the literature and formulations thus far, what I have seen have failed to show much benefit. Mm -hmm. So as we kind of can go over food first, oral supplementation and trying one, um, trying a couple different forms may be the best before you're reserved to taking IM or IV injections. Cause there are some other side effects, um, especially allergic reactions that can happen with the IV form. So, um, that's kind of the treatment plan. There are some additional tips that we want to add in there to help improve iron deficiency. So we talked about it already, but looking at your shoes, if your sport involves running or other impacts, the soles of your uh, impacts to the soles of your feet, wearing footwear properly that cushions and support your feet may help reduce the impact, which can help protect your red blood cells from breaking down. So this could be um, endurance athletes, soccer players, but looking at your cleats or your shoes and making sure that you have proper shoes and that you're replacing them frequently as they start to lose their support or cushion. Healthy movement patterns. In some cases, you may be able to reduce the impact of your body by changing how you perform your sport. This can also help protect your red blood cells from being broken down. I know when I played volleyball a lot, we finally convinced our coach my, I think my junior year, instead of doing all of our conditioning on the um, volleyball court, we actually moved our conditioning into the pool. So this helped reduce the repetitive pounding on the court from running. It did have multiple benefits, but I now know it helped many of our athletes who may have been suffering from anemia because we moved a whole training session from being foot strikes to actually just swimming and running in the pool. So this may be a creative way of helping change your move movement patterns. Really good one. <laughs> so if you're an endurance athlete running a lot, swimming may also be beneficial. <laughs> um, and sometimes that this may mean just in the off season, changing it up. It may not be during like your competitive season, but knowing um, different um, modalities and different ways of training can always make you a better athlete. And some of it may be just because it allows your body to heal and replace stores that you didn't know might be low. Um, also looking at the moderation of your workout, in some cases, you may need to consider scaling back the intensity of your training to allow your body to recover to normal um, levels of red blood cells. So this may mean um, just for a short period after being diagnosed while you're starting supplementation or changes, um, scaling back your workouts. It also includes, as we've talked about in multiple episodes, allowing your body to have rest and recovery days. <laughs> um, yeah. As we know, even those short amounts of time 
can give your body some time to heal and get stronger and recover. So Neil everything Hum, is linked. Everything, everything is linked. <laughs> we love linking back to our previous episodes, but uh, we talk about uh, an, in anemia 101 and we talk about why athletes have risks. If you listen to this caref- carefully, you'll understand that, you know, if you have problems with your intestines, your microbiome, you may have a risk of iron deficiency. If you are uh, nutrition deficient, you may be facing iron deficiency anemia. Uh, there may be absorption problems. So it's, it's a complex issue and have many links and different underlying issues. And we, we really hope that athletes are now informed and educated, empowered athletes so that they know that they may be experiencing iron deficiency and that they know they are an uh, informed, empowered uh, athlete if they are receiving some sort of a treatment plan and that they know they will be able to recognize if the treatment is going well or if they need to consult to their physician or pharmacist. So that was really the goal of this episode today. And it is really important to consider that, again, not all cases are anemia, uh, they are not. They may not be a true anemia because we have a phenomenon called sports anemia, and you may be experiencing and your blood diluted because increased fluid in your body or because of the endurance exercise during during regu- regularly, and this may not require any treatment before uh, getting a supplement, especially iron supplementation. Always consult your physician or pharmacist. Iron being an essential micronutrient in our diets, athletes are commonly presenting as iron deficient. There are many mechanisms uh, associated with iron deficiency in in athletes, which we explained today, and uh, their individual impact on iron loss is likely small from any single exercise session. It is the interaction and accumulation effect over time uh, which likely influences an overall iron uh, status. Understanding the mechanisms of iron loss in relation to exercise is very important in the strategic approach of uh, replacing, repleting, and maintaining healthy iron stores, since this knowledge can help us, uh, help you as an athlete to understand how and when to consume our high iron containing meals and our iron supplements it's uh, really like a mat in my opinion yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to manage and understand when to take iron but because of its importance in our performance to be able to perform well and at our peak as an athlete iron is very key and i hope we we've been able to give you some important tips to be an informed uh, athletes in iron management. Yeah, I think it's super complex. It shows how amazingly intricate and how well balanced our body is and all the mechanisms it has to protect itself. I think it's, I hope this episode at least shines some awareness on the, the fatigue and um, the different ways that iron deficiency can present. And also all the different ways that you can help improve um, the anemia that you may be experiencing, but also to highlight the importance of getting regular labs and making sure you are aware of how things change over a season or throughout the years with your body. So as a sports pharmacist, our mission is to provide accurate and evidence-based information to optimize your health and performance. When it comes to your health and well-being choices, Consult your physician or pharmacist, prioritize safety, and always make informed decisions. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to sharing more valuable scientific and actionable insights in our next episode.